Welcome to the new Jesse Wall Radio. We have transitioned to a new title to simplify our offerings. The Great Work Radio is now named Jesse Wall Radio. All of the pathways to accessing Jesse Wall Radio will remain the same as they were with The Great Work. This week's broadcast is an interview with British systems-based artist Susan Fines. Susan Fines' work is described as complex systems and patterns which emerge via repetitive methods that often in themselves become examples of a personal test of human endurance. Susan interests herself in the connection between thought and action. I hope you enjoy the interview and please stay tuned at the end for new announcements. You seem to be able to create meaning and life with your with your art. And that's actually the first question I want to start off with is, do you think that you can create meaning through with patterns? And can you also create life with those? Um, with certainly with uh, the work that I produce, I tend to work, like you say, quite intricately. It's quite um, methodical, I'd say as well. Um, I, I would kind of, if I was going to categorize myself um, for people that aren't familiar with my work, um, I guess I would use the term um, abstract artist and uh, one of the key principles that um, sort of influences my work is uh, process-led and I, I use systems to create my work. Um, uh, I also have this balance of intuitive working methods alongside um, a self-imposed system which I follow. So okay. there's a balance between the two. Um, I'd say that pattern... Uh, on a, an aesthetic level, I think can create uh, meaning. People can, can sometimes relate to that. Um, however, I think that because of quite often the large scale of the pieces, um, then there is, I think, an impact from, um, certainly from the feedback that I've had in terms of uh, just the scale of time involved in creating a piece and the dedication to that work, I think, does have an impact and does have meaning on a person because really my work is um, largely at the moment about endurance, about physical and mental endurance as an artist and the dedication time that we, we give to our work. Um, and, and what does that mean in, in sort of this day and age? Is it actually a luxury to be able to do that? Um, and a I luxury? Think they, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think because everything's fast-paced nowadays, isn't it? And I think yeah. everything... Um, you know, sort of quite often digitally produced or, you know, it's a very quick hit for a lot of people. I think so for someone to spend, uh, you know, the large painting uh, that I produced in the summer, which you'll be familiar with, called mm -hmm. Visual Noise, yeah. uh, that actually took four months to produce. Uh, and I think for somebody to spend that length of time on one painting is probably quite uh, unusual to see. Um, so, yes, I think it does create meaning. I think it makes people question about what art actually is and what, what it can be um, and what it says about the person behind the paintbrush as well. And do you think that there's a, that people recognize a value in craft nowadays? I mean, obviously a lot of uh, contemporary art or modern art or whatever we're going to call it um, is kind of slapdash and just thrown together or literally trash or garbage, you know, and, and, and anything that's um, qualitative in any way, you know, uh, is often uh, dismissed as, uh, old fashioned. Uh, have you encountered any of that? I, I never f asked you that and I never found out anything about whether you'd ever encountered any kind of um, opposition to your art because of that. I've not really had opposition um, to my art uh, in any way, actually. I've been, I've been very lucky um, in that people see um, 
want to look quite deeply into the work that I produce and and why. But I think I have encountered people's opinions on uh, what they see as art that's dipping into to craft based areas, and I uh-huh. think it is actually, um, you know, very much frowned upon. I think even even today, people are, still have an opinion that you know art is in one realm and craft is in another, um, but. Slowly, I think it, the, the bridge is, is sort of uh, is coming down, and I think people are recognising that actually fine art, as it stands today, can you know encompass many different media, um, and you know, and any artist can actually move between those as they see fit. So, um, I think people in general are starting to have more of an open mind about how work is created. Um, but yeah, I definitely think certainly in the past, um, up till recently. People have, uh, you know, been very much uh, against dipping into anything that is classed as craft. Well, it's interesting you say that because the whole oh, the whole arts and crafts movement was uh, addressing that, and they were advocating for um, the division between fine art and crafts or decorative arts, rather. Yeah. Uh, they, they were advocating that that division be annihilated, right? And that was not just William Morris in arts and crafts, but it was also Art Nouveau was the same uh, ethos. Yeah. And I guess, uh, no, I guess on a base level, you know, what probably what really was the crux of the matter was was pieces or, or objects or uh, whatever, ephemera, whatever it happened to be, um, you know, literally being a, rather than something with maybe a deeper meaning, it is literally something decorative that people would find joy from that they would have in their home rather than um, potentially a, a, a painting or a sculpture mm-hmm. or a piece of art that was to induced contemplation of some, you know, to some level. Um, so I, I guess, you know, that's the d- difference between, you know, sort of interior design painting and maybe fine art painting. But your, your art definitely induces contemplation, right? Yes. What, yeah, is it, what is it you found? What kind of feedback have you gotten? What, what do people say it induces in them? What, what does it make them think of? I definitely have people saying about um, as I'm talking to you I'm thinking back to the large painting um, that I produced in the summer called Visual Noise um, which was probably the you know the most monumental piece that I've created to date that was that took four months Um, I think people uh, their general opinion of that one was first of um, surprise I think and uh, they would want to get close to have a look at actually what the piece was composed of um, and would be very surprised that actually it was created by somebody with a pencil and a paintbrush and a roll, essentially a roll of paper. Um, so, yes, I think people were very surprised. I think it's kind of, you know, I've had people say that it was kind of awe-inspiring, uh, that it was, you know, touching upon the sublime that um, because of the scale, I guess, as well. But I think the... The amount of time and energy that I think was put into that piece and hopefully comes out of that piece, um, people can sort of read into that. And I think that sort of, it does hit you, I think, with that particular painting. It, was your working method with that painting the same as it is with other paintings or have you noticed an, an evolution? Well, I, I do tend to work with systems. That one does have a slightly more of a history that it was based on um, uh, one of my first sort of intuitive abstract paintings that I produced uh, just after I'd had my twins, probably about 13 years ago. And uh, so it was stemming back to a time then when I, it, everything was new and everything was quite raw and instinctive in terms of painting for me. 
And I always knew that I wanted to produce something on, um, on along those lines on a larger scale. Um, but at the time, I, I just did not have the, the, the time to be able to, or the space to be able to do that. So then it was projecting forward um, to this moment in time where I could relive that, that moment and actually fulfill an ambition that I had all those years ago. Um, so I think, yeah, that, that was um, quite a monumental task to create that piece. So can you see um, it, uh, like a growing uh, in your uh, operating method, in your, in your work methods, um, where you're yeah. going from more basic to more complex? Or is it like discipline? Uh, the discipline is increasing? Both, I think, yeah. I think the time scale, I think the patience and the dedication that I can, um, the time that I can commit to my artwork, it has increased. And I think um, uh, maybe my patience has increased. That might have also come with age, I don't know. Um, but I think also my working methods are becoming more and more refined, I think. You know, I can I can see things more clearly. I can work uh, generally quicker. Um, and... Yeah, I think it, it, I, I like I like to keep my work fresh and I like to keep my ideas fresh. So uh, even though I work within systems, I'm constantly adapting and changing those systems with each new piece. Um, yeah. yeah. Is, is your work symbolic of work itself? Well, I've, I've always thought of my work really as, as almost like a living, breathing sort of extension of myself, really. And I think with my paintings, it's 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 more about um capturing that moment in time or moments in time that it takes to create that piece. It's it's time from my own personal life that I have dedicated to that painting. That's time that I can never gain back again. That is something that I have devoted to that piece. And I think the um, the, the repetition uh, within the work is also uh, like a meditative um, element to it, I guess. Um, I have, you know, dipped into Buddhist practice in the past, um, and I guess that this the form of painting that I'm doing um, uh, today almost uh, replaces what you would consider to be a form of meditation. Are you able to see life in, in your paintings or, or a sort of a movement in your own paintings when you look at your own paintings? Yes. Yeah, I think um, I, that's one of the comments that I have had about my paintings in the past. That there is an awful lot of movement in them. Um, and I think uh, most recently, I've, I've, I'm working on a new body of work at the moment, um, which is revolving around uh, text. And um, I'm sort of in the early stages at the moment, but um, it's looking quite static at the moment, which is something quite new, I think, within my work. Um, however, I anticipate that when I actually produce some, some final pieces, they again probably will have a fair amount of movement in them. Uh, it just seems to be something that happens, actually. it's not. There's no... Um, overall outcome necessarily in my work and that's one of the things I love is not knowing the not knowing of what actually the piece is going to resemble or look like when it is completed um and I think quite often that that is a representative a representation of life itself isn't it is we, we don't know what's around the corner we don't know what's coming mm -hmm. and sometimes the joy in life is actually the not knowing has that been the case with all of your all of your these complex works yeah, I think certainly um, that's one of the joys of, of, of being a system-based artist is is that, um, you know, you to a certain extent, parameters are predetermined. So you would set a system, um, you know, the conception of a painting, um, but you're unaware of actually what the overall impact or outcome will be. Um, so that is one of uh, one of the ways, I guess, of uh, 
embracing the unexpected. What are some other uh, system-based artists that we could use as references or comparisons? Um, well, uh, I'd say the one that, that springs to mind is James Hugonan. I mean, he is um, a British artist who um, I, I really admire his work greatly, actually, um, simply because of his dedication to his cause, to his art. Um, he produces large-scale kind of grid format paintings that uh, he spends a year on each painting. And they are very, very intricate, um, very meticulous. And he, he also produces very interesting, well, I, I consider to be very interesting documentation that supports each painting, almost a history of its creation, um, which, you know, the, the books themselves, I call them books because I, there are a number of books, I would assume, for each painting, just because of the duration it takes. Um, are categorised and systematised in, in quite an analytical way with the interaction of colour, the placement of colour, the placement of um, pattern, if you want to call it pattern. You know, he has a system which he sets up for each painting, like, um, for example, the the length of the span of one of his hands from where one colour will begin and one colour will end. Um, I think there's some stuff online you can probably have a look at regarding his work. Um, but he is very interesting, actually. He's a really interesting chap, and I think his techniques and his process are are definitely something to be um, in awe of, I think, really. Is his work illusionistic at all? In other words, does it end up with figurative results at all, or no? No, no it doesn't end up with figurative results, it, but it, it, what it does do, in a similar way to people like Bridget Riley, is there's an interplay of light um, within the work. So there's um, there's almost a vibration of colour when you stand back and look at um, his work. I mean, yeah. different to Bridget Riley, um, her work is quite geometric, quite, quite large-scale sections or elements within each painting um, com uh, compared to James Hugonin. I mean, James Hugonin, the, 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 the pieces are almost like pixels. They're very small mm -hmm. in comparison to Bridget. So um, when you step back from one of um, James's paintings, the, it is very... Uh, it's a different impact, I think, but you do get the vibration the overall sort of impact of the merging of the colours, which I find quite interesting. There's a movement in his work, which I also like. Is, uh, is Chuck Close considered a systems artist? Because he obviously uses something, a similar method, but it results in, you know, large photographic, photorealist paintings. Uh, I would say he's probably a process-led uh, artist. Uh, I mean, he does obviously use a system to create his work, but I'd say there's probably a large amount of... Um, uh, thought through kind of uh, you know methods of painting within each grid for example I'm thinking of his portraiture where you know he would divide it divide it into a grid and then there'd be multiple colors within each um, square um, there'd be an element of having to carefully plan that to, to you know so when you stand back the overall painting would emerge um, so I, I would imagine there's a, quite an awful lot of um, actual thought process going in um, and sort of careful rendering of what he's doing rather than a way of detaching oneself and following the process um, that would dictate the outcome. I think he would, he would know to a large extent what the painting would, um, what he wants it to look like before he begins. Uh, so while we're on that subject, what, can you explain the difference between, uh, you say, process versus systems uh, art? or pro what, is, what, what were the terms? I'm sorry. 
Yeah, well, it's just, it's a fine line. It is a tricky one, but I, I think um, with I think we're using Chuck Close as an example. I think with his work, it's uh, an overall uh, stylistic way of creating a painting, shall we say? If we're talking about his portraits uh, with the the grid formation, uh, which you know are, you know look fantastic, it's a it's a great overall impact with his work. Um, however, I think that. Um, he would have the ability to produce a number of paintings using that same format. Um, but within each piece, he would be um, making decisions, actively making decisions throughout that piece to render the portrait that he's trying to convey. Um, whereas I would say um, a, a, a process uh, art, a systems, that's a process artist, a systems-based artist um, is setting a system, a predetermined system before the actual painting begins and following that system to create um, a painting. Okay, so, so you become like a, an organic machine. Yes, yeah. Wow, In wow, a, wow. Yeah, you're, you're sort of, you, the system will determine the outcome of the painting. But there's obviously fi a failure uh, rate or whatever uh, inherent in the process because you are an organic person, right? So there's there's yes. there's like always going to be uh, variations that naturally occur. So it's it's almost like you're creating nature. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, it's it's quite an interesting way of working actually, because um, exactly for the reasons you've just said. And uh, what I'm looking at at the moment, it's funny. I, I was having a discussion with a with a group of artists yesterday, and um, one of the things that I'm I'm looking at uh, working on in the future. Uh, in the very near future, actually, is at what point does um, a system begin and what point does a system end within a painting? You know, do you have to see a system through to its ultimate final conclusion until the very last square is painted, for example? Uh -huh. Or actually, um, you know, th there's this balance that I'm interested in of intuitive working. So, you know, my influence over a painting um, and the system's influence over a painting. And it's finding um, a balance between the two. And I think there's there's some really interesting um, interconnections between those that I really want to explore within within my new work, um, alongside actually working um, simultaneously on a number of paintings. Because oh, really? really, yeah, I mean, largely to date, I've been working focused on one painting at a time. But what I'd really like to do is actually work on a series of paintings simultaneously. Um, to see how that actually affects my working methods. Yeah, because um, you have a really strong focus, obviously. You know, I mean, that's, yeah, that's all too obvious. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so I think some more. Um, there's going to be a bit of a shakeup, I think, over the next couple of months. Um, well, do you think that? Do you think that that's going to be beneficial, or is that kind of watering things down? Um, I think that any experimentation is beneficial because I think we always learn right. something from from what we attempt or try and I think you know when we when we get complacent when things get comfortable I think that's probably the time to stop painting you know so for me yeah. I'm constantly I'm constantly searching and I'm constantly trying and experimenting and thinking um because that's where the excitement is really in my work it's keeping it fresh and keeping it moving and and searching for whatever it happens to be um so yes, but I I do seriously have a, a a thought in my mind that I will probably always be doing that. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'm ever going to get to the point where I think, aha, this is this is the painting style that I will always use, and this is 
uh, who I am. I think it's, you know, I think even famous artists have, have evolved over time, you know, and they continue to do so. Now, were you influenced by uh, Rosie's um, paintings last year that because she was obviously experimenting with, um, um, I don't know what the word is, auto automatic. I mean, she wouldn't use the word mm -hmm. automatic painting. In fact, I think she was opposed to it, but um, yeah. to something to that effect where you just allow the your your body to paint the painting uh, while you're meditating so that it's completely, it's as natural, supposedly as natural as 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 could be possible or Zen, you know, are you influenced by that? Is that part of the reason why you're uh, considering kind of letting go a bit of the control this year? Mm, I, uh, I remember Rose's paintings actually, they were interesting. I remember her presentation as well. Um, and I did find her working methods quite, quite interesting, but I wouldn't necessarily say her work has influenced my own work. Um, I think I appreciate what she was aiming for. Um, but I think within my own work, I'm not quite as, um, minimalist as the, you know, sort of the work that Rosie was producing and the methods in which she was, yeah. she was using. Um, we're talk, sorry, we're talking about Rosie Allen, just in case, yeah. just to clarify that. Um, I would say that I'm probably quite a lot more intense within my work. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I'm also quite uh, productive in terms of volume. When I when I'm in a working phase, shall we say, um, I will work really long hours. I will paint and paint and paint till sort of three in the morning. Um, you know, and, and then I'll have periods between paintings where I kind of almost recuperate before I launch back into doing another series of paintings. And so I, when I do paint, it's like a frenzied kind of. Uh, outpouring of painting i would say so I, I i can imagine that um my working style is di very different to for example rosie's who seems yeah <laughs> yeah it seems like she's more focused on uh on zen uh i don't know i'm putting words in her mouth but that's what i'm thinking and then mm. but i think that there is a commonality in that um i i'm assuming that you you must reach a state of serious like um <laughs> mental relaxation and, and med like you said med meditation while you're mm. painting doing that it yeah. must be it must be incredible you must really zone out right um well you do but i think actually it gives you a chance to it forces you to be in the here and now to be fully present in in the task in hand because there's an element of concentration and accuracy that is required within my paintings um and you know i've said to people before you know you can't escape yourself at all you can't there's no distractions from what's going on inside you um you know you can't sit in front of a painting for four months uh, doing meticulous work and not actually completely reevaluate everything <laughs> you know it's so in in terms of that i would say it provides uh it does provide a sanctuary almost for contemplation while i am producing the work and you have a um, a studio, uh, a, a really good studio, apparently, right? And are you able to completely shut yourself off from the world? I mean, obviously, you have a family and and, and dogs and stuff, a dog and stuff like that, right? So how yeah. how are you able to balance that? Well, I work. Uh, I have got a studio, yeah, but I I do find actually that I work a lot from home simply because I do have um, twins who are now well, they've just turned fourteen actually, 
Um, but what it allows me to do in the evenings, for example, once they're in bed, I can work, I can paint um, at home till three in the morning if I need to. I can, you know, and while they're at school, I can paint during the day. Uh, you know, that gives me the opportunity to then go to my studio. The advantage of my studio is that I can work on a large scale in my studio and I can right. make mess and yeah. I don't have the distraction of, you know, children, dogs, people knocking on the door, yeah. <laughs> the phone ringing, you yeah. know, all of the normal things that, that we live with. Um, it is, it, it does, having a studio does give you the opportunity to shut yourself away. Although it is where, where my studio is situated, it is in a, like a business premises where there are a number of other units. So you do get noise coming through from, oh, right. um, from the other sides. Um, but you know, nothing that a pair of earplugs can't cure or some music, you know? Uh, so yes, it's, it's, there's kind of pros and cons to both. I think really. Does pattern recognition have anything to do with your work? Uh, in other words, are, do you think that your paintings actually do, in in their final state, if they were infinitely applied to a, an infinitely sized canvas, would they actually start creating something uh, recognizable, organic, uh, living? Uh, well, my you know my paintings are quite quite diverse, so I'm I'm sort of visualizing a number of different paintings that I've got. And it is possible, you know, it is possible, but. Um, I think more than anything, you would probably notice a, a, a some kind of rhythm, you know, some kind of um, a vibration or a, a pulsation. Or, yeah. Uh. Uh, so I, th I think that's that's probably what would strike. Certainly, I'm, I'm I'm talking about this from my own perspective. That's something that I think I would probably pick up on. But I think in terms of people's uh, desire for pattern recognition, that that is kind of an ex instinctive response to formulate. Um, you know, sort of systematize what we see. And I think the mind will automatically attempt to do that in whatever we see. We will try to find common elements um, and patterns because we find comfort in the familiar. And, and so I think that the way in which we view things um, definitely comes into play when we're looking at pattern. What are so, You must have had people um, say that they see different things in your paintings. What are some of the things you remember them saying? I'm assuming, of course. Oh, well, actually, no, I think more than anything, it's no, I think more than anything, people, um, it, it's the overall sort of emotional response they would have from uh, viewing a painting, certainly a large scale painting. Um, and, I, you know, yeah, so I, I don't necessarily think that people feel it reminds them of you know, a person, an object or um, anything like that. I think more more often than not, they might they might use terms like I'm thinking of one of my paintings, it looks possibly slightly organic, um, but, you know, other times it might be that it reminds them, the colours might remind them of, um, you know, some kind of childhood memory that they have where they were, you know, were in a house or or there was a bedspread that had that colour on it and, they, and it takes them back. So there's all sorts of triggering sort of um, recall moments, I think, in anything we see that we can sort of find familiar yeah, and you you mentioned bedspread, and there are obvious correlations between your work and uh, textile. Um, mm. What what have you thought about that? Uh, well, as I've actually been speaking to um, an artist fairly recently about that. You know, he he works uh, in textile design, and he's supplied textiles to you know many different sort of London fashion houses and what have you in the past. And he he's actually 
very interested in looking at, at my work and, and how that would translate to textile, to fabric. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's, it's something that I'm interested in. I kind of, I guess I have always thought about that. And it's interesting you say that, Jesse, because, I mean, you haven't seen, uh, well, you may have seen actually online at one of my recent paintings that I did uh, just before Christmas, which does actually resemble kind of like one of the traditional patchwork quilts. Is that on your, on your Facebook page? Yeah. Is yeah, it, yeah. Where where is that located? I'm not finding that. I see the latest the late the one it's that you showed at the exhibition. Fine artist and and it's uh it's one that I think I posted just before Christmas. Susan it's on Susan Smith Facebook. Susan Fines. So, oh right here. Yeah. Oh that's really good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that's it looks slightly um yeah, reminiscent of a patchwork yeah. quilt. Oh, yeah. Um so I'm I'm considering different methods, different ways of actually displaying my paintings alongside other things. At the moment it's kind of everything's in a state of um uh you know, sort of reconsideration. You know, I'm I'm not eliminating anything at this particular stage. And I think that's that's actually quite exciting that, you know, for the for the end of the MA, which I I finish in the summer, I don't know exactly what my final piece or pieces will be um but that is actually the way in which i work i've come to terms with that (laughs) and i think part of of what actually motivates me is the constant experimentation uh you're talking about the masters of fine art at uh, university of brighton yes um and so this is a piece it, it was posted on november 30th and it's uh it look it does look like a quilt and it's multicolored, and it has it has uh, boxes with uh, crosses through them, right? Yes, yeah. Did, had you shown anything similar to that before, or no? Am I no, just, this is, okay. yeah, this that's a very new one, and this is um, part of a new body of work that I'm actually uh, working on at the moment, revolving around text. And actually, what I've done that, uh, is is essentially a form of of coding um, within the painting. Um, oh, really? So that the painting itself is is you know sort of a grid format of sorts, and um, you'll see from that particular painting it's it's very colourful. And the reason for that is actually what I've done is um, I've replaced the letters of the alphabet with colours, and within the grid format I've actually used um, that particular one was a mantra, which has been repeated over and over within that um, space. Um, so the letters are then re- represented by the colours. And what's the mantra? Uh, it's kind of more of a personal mantra, actually, which is, may you be well, may you be happy, may you be free from suffering. And I think it was quite appropriate at the time uh, when I produced the work for um, many people around me, actually, that were going through very difficult times. Um, and then obviously things you see on the happening in the world as well. I th- you know, it's um, it, it's one of those things that I think sometimes we need to be more mindful about, actually other people around us. And um, that actually did have a, a sort of Taoist ring to it in, in my ears anyway, uh, the mantra. Um, mm. And you know what else? Um, th- this is kind of a, a, a what is this? A, an imposition on the piece, but it looks um, like it might have more concern with beauty <laughs> than the previous work did, where, which was more, uh, I, I would say, intellectual. Have you like, is, is that a possibility at all? Um, well, I guess the aesthetic value, the beauty value would, is really in the eye of the beholder. It's probably in the eye of the viewer. Um, and it's certainly not something that I, I set out to produce. What has changed in my work, I think, since the, the previous work that you've seen, Jesse, is 
um, that I'm actually working much more um, from my own emotional sources rather than from, for example, I was before I was working with scientists, um, uh, like a, a particular professor of MRI imaging, and I, I'd had um, brain scans um, completed, and I'd used the the brain scans and the systems and the colours used to interpret the brain scans to create paintings. Um, and what I've done since then is I've I've been moving more into trusting my own feelings, emotions, intuition, still using systems, but actually they're sort of self-created rather than using something that's predetermined um, by something, somebody else that's already existing. Now that seems like, it sounds like it has a, it's like a balance that you're put, you're taking upon yourself to go from reason and, and rationality to uh, feeling. And as you said, emotion, and that it's also going from one gender to the other as well, you know, uh, representationally. What have you? How has this made you? How has this made you feel this transition? Um, it's well, it's quite unsettling, I think, really. But um, in many ways, it's I feel like I'm being much truer to myself because I think any artist, when they produce work, really is what they produce is an extension of themselves. Um, you know, it's it's unique to them as a person, and it's it's mo it's capturing moments in time that they've devoted to that artwork. Um, so I think that it's. It, you know, my work at the moment is, I think, much truer to who I am. And um, in some ways, that's that's uh, it, that's more difficult than actually dealing with um, data that you can dissect, um, something that is um, you know, a little bit more hard to pin down, I think, is um, a bit trickier to handle. Do you, um, this is a probably a bit of a personal question, but do you feel that your mind is balanced between intellect and emotion or rather between a reason and feeling or that you yourself are balanced rather because the mind is obviously the intellect and the heart is classically thought of as feeling so mm. where do you, where does your energy reside How, was it residing previously more in the intellect and now it's it's descending further into the heart i think I've, i think i've always balanced um both actually i think um i've certainly attempted to balance both but i think i had um prior to the summer when I was working um, the MRI images um, and the sort of systems that are used by the sort of science professionals, I think that it became, it became more of um, a, a, an analytical sort of role that I was taking. Um, and I think naturally I'm quite analytical anyway, but what I'm doing is trying to shift my focus actually onto um, you know, my interpretation of the world and the world around me and actually focusing on, you know, the sort of uniqueness of any individual's experience of life. So, you know, if I'm taking myself as, as, um, as the key within my own work, you know, that, that is, um, that's kind of quite a powerful thing to, to actually embrace, I think. I think it's, it's almost easier to use things around you than focus on ourselves. So what, is, what exactly is it? that you're focusing on? Um, well, at the moment, I'm focusing on actually what motivates me to produce my work, um, how I'm feeling when I'm producing my work, how it affects me mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, you know, particularly, I noticed that on the large painting that I did uh, before the summer, the visual noise painting, that had numerous um, sort of impacts and effects that some that I'd predicted and some that um, 
I hadn't quite anticipated, actually. Um, but it's, it's, it's quite an interesting experience. And I think that my paintings at the moment really are an experience. You know, if I'm, if I'm talking purely selfishly, um, you know, as an artist, I think it's the most important aspect of my paintings for me is the production, is the time that I'm producing. And it's almost like I can, once they're done, I can let go. But then I feel this void and this need to have another painting. Yeah, I can, I can empathize with that one. Yeah, I understand that, what you're saying. Now, obviously, um, in art school, um, everyone advocates that gender is a social construct. But in, in, your, in your own experience, what are your thoughts on, on that? And have you considered your, your art to be either feminine or masculine? Like I was talking about reason versus feeling. Mm. You, what, I've never heard you actually talk about that in class, and I never heard anybody ask you about that. So what, what, is, mm. what is the situation with that? What do I feel like my paintings have a gender? Oh, uh, well, do you, are you, are you in touch with like a spirit and does that spirit sway one way or the other? <laughs> um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as so fast to say I'm in touch with any spirits, but I'd say, um, but well, I guess the, probably the essence of, of who I am hopefully comes through in my paintings. And, um, I don't know, maybe there is an element that says this is a, you know, a woman that has painted this. Um, but, to be honest, I don't really overthink that kind of thing because for me, um, I want to keep my paintings um, true to who I am. And I think if you overanalyze um, why, uh, how people are going to react to the work that you produce, then sometimes that can deter you from producing it. Um, so I think if, if you're true to yourself when you produce your work, then it's up to people really <laughs> how they interpret. I mean, that's really refreshing to hear just because... Um... Gender is pushed so hard in art school, you know, and I, I've, I've, lo I've always considered myself basically balanced, you know, in, in terms of the male and the female energies in my mind. And, um, like they've done studies where supposedly uh, the male mind thinks forward to back and back to forth front, but, mm. and then the female mind supposedly thinks side to side. But I mean, obviously the most intelligent human mind would think in a sort of more spherical <laughs> Uh, manner, you know, it, it encompassing mm -hmm. the whole brain. And that's, that's really what I'm trying to get at here is like, I, I do recognize some, something like that, like a balance basically in, in your work. And you say that you mm -hmm. may be able to recognize that a, a woman did it. I'm not sure that that's entirely the case. You know, mm -hmm. I think you could actually, if you didn't know who made your pieces, you really couldn't uh, necessarily tell whether it was a man or a woman who had uh, yeah. created them. I feel like that about paintings that I see that I really love, paintings that I, you know, um, I might see in a gallery setting or even just, you know, in a book or, or online, wherever we happen to see a painting. If I love a painting, I love a painting and I don't necessarily care whether it was a man or a woman that painted it. it you know, to me, that makes no difference. And that's kind of irrelevant. And I'd really hate to think that um, people would form an opinion on a on a piece of work based on gender. I think that's, that's so outdated. The, you know? Then what, what is your stance? If you don't mind my asking, if you don't want to talk about that, that's fine. But what is your stance on, on feminism uh, and also in, on feminism in art school specifically, but feminism in general first? Feminism. Well, I think as a subject, um, there's a lot of interest within, you know, sort of feminism. And I think to a certain extent, um, it's, it's easy, I think, for, there's a lot of subject matter so in some ways, it's an easy thing to jump on um, to uh, use as source material for research and, um, you know, 
as as a backup for maybe some some ways of thinking or creating work. Um, but for me personally, I I tend to sway away from um, from from feminism. I I, I just feel that um, I like to feel that I'm quite neutral <laughs> in general. I feel that I'm quite neutral with um, with most things. I, I kind of like to sit on the fence about a lot of things. <laughs> I, I've felt that way my whole life, uh, but when I was thrust into um, uh, feminist environments in school, it really had a strong impact on me, as I think you're aware, you know, and uh, yeah. it really had a, it was really, really, really hard for me, you know, it was a serious, it was probably mm -hmm. the, the hardest thing I've ever had to endure, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think, it, you know, it's it's difficult, actually, when you get... Uh, you're throwing groups of people together. And I think there's this misconception sometimes that actually, certainly I've learned that, you know, as adults or as mature students, we, we go to study and that everybody will be supportive and kind to each other. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, it's not always the case, I think, as you probably discovered yourself. Um, and that's actually quite disappointing for me um, to think that, that grown human beings can not have evolved maybe as much as they should have done. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting um, because your twins are male and female, right? You have a boy and a girl yes, twins. Yes. So how, how uh, have you thought about whether that's informed your work at all? Yeah, I definitely think that um, they are on my mind um, an awful lot. I think, uh, you know, and the, the many ups and downs I think you go through with, with children, I think, um, both personally, but both, you know, for them as well, you observe them growing and learning and making mistakes and, you know, sort of pulling themselves through it and starting again. And um, I definitely think all of those emotions, you kind of, as a parent, you, you absorb those, you know, you try to shield them and you try to protect them and you heal yourself at the same time. So I think those, yeah, if we're talking about emotions driving uh, my work or influencing my work, then I absolutely, it's, it's definitely going to have an impact. Could you give us um, an idea how we can see your work online, uh, your website and, and Facebook page or whatever we should, you would like us to see? Sure. Yeah. Um, my website is uh, Susan Fines, which is uh, Susan, S-U-S-A-N. And my surname is Fines, F-Y-N-E-S. And that's .co.uk. Um, so you should be able to find um, up-to-date pictures on there and um, hopefully blogs. There's also a link on that uh, to my Twitter page. Uh, I have a Facebook um, fine artist page too, which I tend to post um, process pictures and things. If you're interested in seeing work before it's actually completed, I tend to put some process shots on there too. Um, and that's Susan Fines. Again, Fines is spelled F-Y-N-E-S hyphen fine artist. Um, so you should be able to find me on any of those three places, hopefully. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of Jesse Wall Radio's interview with artist Susan Fines. Members can access Hour 2 of this show in the Members Archive at jessewall.com. If you haven't yet considered becoming a member of Jesse Wall Radio, please click on the subscribe link in the top navigation bar at jessewall.com, where you can register for access to the Members Archive, where both hours of all shows are available. Thanks again for listening to Jesse Wall Radio, where we keep on peering further and further behind the veil of esoteric iconology and symbolism with a new show every week. Farewell until next time.